you are listening to the Health Disparities Podcast from Movement is Life, conversations about health disparities with people who are working to eliminate them. I am Dr. Bonnie Simpson-Mason, founder and executive director of in dimensions and an orthopedic surgeon. Today, I am discussing health disparities and your zip code with Dr. Carla Harwell from University Hospitals, the Otis Moss Jr. Health Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome, Dr. Harwell. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, It is really an honor to be here uh, with someone, um, quite literally, you have had boots on the ground working to combat health disparities, I mean, for years. The work you've done over time has really had an impact in your particular community. I suppose that's why you've um, chosen zip codes as, you know, really one of the, you know, impassioned areas that that we will discuss today. But, you know, tell us what led you um, to um, a primary care, but to this particular, you know, mission when it comes to, you know, the people you serve in your zip code? So having grown up in Cleveland, I don't recall really going to the doctor. Mm. I really don't. And my first recollection of physicians were tall white men in white coats. So the neighborhood that I lived in, we lived actually right across the street from the hospital that my mom worked at. And back in the day, there was no such thing as latchkey kids. So when my sister and I got out of school, which was also right across the street from the hospital, Mm -hmm. we would cross this busy street to go to work and sit with my mom until she got off work. Mm -hmm. So I was five years old. And so that was my first experience of looking around, you know, this hospital and seeing all these white men in these white coats and having had no prior real memory of myself going to a doctor, I asked my mom, I said, so, you know, what do those guys do? You know, what are those guys in those white coats? What do they do? And she said, well, these are doctors. You know, they, they take care of people. They make people well. You know, they, they help sick people feel better. I said, oh, well, that's what I want to do. I want to do that when I grow up. And of course, you know, moms being moms said, well, you know, You can be whatever you want, you know, in this world. And so from that young age on, I always said I wanted to be a physician. Never strayed from that, you know, developed a love and passion for the sciences and um, never, you know, wavered from wanting to be a physician. And, you know, that led me to, you know, undergrad and, and med school. And then it was ultimately my goal to come back home to Cleveland and practice medicine in an area that had not seen primary care, at least in a private practice-based model of care, in a long time. Because, you know, in the African-American community, um, sometimes just the word clinic itself has very negative connotations. You know, it means substandard care, substandard doctors. You know, I'm going to see a different doctor every time, you know, I go. You know, it's like the Greyhound bus station. You know, I'm just another name and number waiting to be called. No continuity. No continuity. And so it was my goal and aspiration to go back to an area of Cleveland and practice medicine and serve an underserved community and give them that sense of, I am your primary care doctor. 
And I care about you. And I care about you. And I care about you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's interesting because we know that 70% of minority populations are taken care of by minority physicians or physicians from underrepresented backgrounds. Um, and I think, you know, you really just hit the nail on the head with one of the core reasons, reasons why so many minority physicians do so. I mean, because, I mean, you, you tell me at five, the fact that you all lived across the street from a major, you know, healthcare institution that you may or may not have had access to in order to, to obtain your own health care. Am I right? Right, right. And, you know, this still happens today. You know, um, you can live within walking distance yes. of, you know, getting good health care. But do you really have access to it? You know, and, you know, that leads me to this whole zip code thing. Right. You know, why should where I live determine how long I live? Yes. You know, there's data out there that shows that your zip code determines your life expectancy. And the zip code that my practice is in has a life expectancy of 72 years old. Now, I'm fortunate enough to live in one of the suburbs of Cleveland. And where I live, the life expectancy is 80. Now, I don't live that far from where I work. (laughs) Right. But yet there's an eight-year age difference. Just by life expectancy. By virtue of, of zip code. By virtue of your zip code. So one has to ask the question, why? Why is that? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And that also is part of my passion mm-hmm. of not only just delivering primary care, not just taking care of patients, you know, blood pressure and diabetes and, you know, all the other, you know, diseases that are, you know, prevalent in sure. the patient population that I serve. Right. But you have to look at the big picture. Right. You know, you have to look at you know, the zip code that you live in and why your life expectancy is less. And then that opens a much broader Pandora box. Exactly. You know? Because it still, it might be, you know, access to care. Right. And it doesn't matter that you live right there. You know, what if you don't have any insurance? It, Do you, can't, still have, you can't pay for it. You can't pay for it. You know, it's, it's the quality of uh, food that is in your neighborhood. It's your employment opportunities. Education. Education. It's all of those things. And as a physician, I have to take all of those things into account. And what's interesting to me is when I first started my practice, a lot of these buzzwords that's out here now, like social determinants of health, you know, those didn't exist, or at least I wasn't aware of them. You know, all I knew is that I was trying to take care of the whole patient. Yes. And that means it's just more than me placing my stethoscope on their chest. I have to understand their financial situation, their educational level. Are they employed or unemployed? All of those things factor into taking care of people. So so what would you say to the younger generation of, of primary care physicians, from what I understand, who aren't always as encouraged nor maybe are given as much time to look at the whole patient and, and even consider their zip code before making, you know, a treatment plan, treatment recommendations. You know, how do we actually tackle what's in front of us? You know, that that is a tough question <laughs> to answer <laughs> because, you know, a lot of this is, you know, it's on a bigger level. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, each one teach one, you know, so 
any student or any resident or any fellow yes. that I interact with that comes through um, my health center and work with me, you're going to learn more about the art of medicine than the science from me. Okay. You know? Yes. A lot of times I rely on what I call the mothership down the street, you know, yes. the major teaching institution <laughs> to give you the science. You're going to get your science from me as well, but you're going to learn the art of medicine. You're going to learn that you just can't walk into Mrs. Jones' room and see her as a hospital follow-up for exacerbation of her congestive heart failure and just say, well, you know, well, well, what happened, Mrs. Jones? You know, were you, were you not taking your medicines? Or, you know, well, you have to understand that it was the end of the month. She had run out of money, so she was eating a lot of prepared foods, canned soups, frozen dinners, all of these things that are high in salt yes. or sodium. Yes. But she was doing the best that she could with what she had until her paycheck came. Exactly. Next week. And so that tipped her over. If you don't understand that about Mrs. Jones, then you're not doing the best service that you can do for Mrs. Jones. Or even, you know, Mrs. Jones may live uh, in a zip code that is also a food desert. Absolutely. Where she does not have access to a grocery store. Absolutely. That has the fresher fruits and vegetables, the recommended foods that we Tell people, just go out and buy. It's always a problem when, when you're living on a fixed income. Yep. You know, you will buy what will stretch the farthest. Exactly. I mean, if you look at the fast food industry, mm -hmm. you know, it's cheaper to get what I like to say, that $5 holler, right? <laughs> yes. Where you can get a burger, fries, get a cookie, yes. you get a drink. Yes. Um, sometimes you can get two sandwiches. That's you right. You get all of this for $5. Yep. But if you want to buy the salad at that same fast food restaurant, yep. it's 8 or $9. So when you do the math, when you're on a fixed income, you have to make a choice. And so all of those things come into play. And so when you look at where you live, and that someone could live literally just 10 miles from you where, you know, food deserts aren't a problem, where there's, you know, tons of grocery stores with tons of healthy food options. And yes, those same fast food places are there, but then there's also an organic food market, you know, or, you know, a wholesale, you know, food exactly. market, you exactly. know, where, you know, you get more bang for your buck. See, these are some of the things that contribute to that lower life expectancy. These are the things that help determine what your life expectancy is going to be based on your zip code. And, and many times these are things, these social determinants are of health that are out of one individual's um, control. Control, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Because if you live where you live... You know, then what else do you have? What else you do you have? You have to work with what you have within where you live. So I'm hearing from, you know, just an individual perspective as, you know, as a, as a health care, um, I'll say provider, but as a physician or a member of the health care team, no matter whom that is, um, that we really need to take a few extra minutes or moments 
to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and to ask the questions that we may um, be afraid to ask, may not be familiar with asking, may be uncomfortable asking, but if you can start with your zip code and taking a moment to understand the context from which this patient comes to you, and then we can understand maybe some of the complexities that that patient is bringing to the table. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, sometimes if, if we're not walking in those shoes as healthcare providers, you know, we don't get it, you know? And so that's that extra step as healthcare providers that we have to make a conscious effort to be more aware of and to address it whether you feel comfortable addressing it or not. You know, I mean, no one likes to be in an uncomfortable situation, but, you know, we're here to help people. Exactly. You know, and in order to help an individual, you have to do a 360-degree view of that person's life. Exactly. Because I don't think that anyone wakes up in the morning and go, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I want to be as unhealthy as I possibly can. <laughs> exactly. I want to take as many pills as I can possibly take, you know, I just want to feel bad. And I want to have every comorbid, every comorbid condition, comorbid condition under the sun. Possibly yes. I, that's me. That's what I want. Exactly. I don't think anyone wakes up making and those says choices that or, or thinks that, right? But, you know, life sometimes, you know, the hand that you're dealt, and if you're in situations where it's hard for you to undo that deal, exactly. You know, then we as healthcare providers have to work within the means of, you know, what these individuals have to work with. And, and help to bring some level of understanding to the table that, lets, that helps us empathize and then maybe even explain, uh, which is your expertise in explaining the vicious cycle, how one, you know, loss of movement then leads to the other comorbidities that we see in the vicious cycle. Um, sometimes connecting those dots by being empathetic, putting ourselves in, th- in that person's shoes. I mean, quite honestly, that vicious cycle, we should all be talking about that because it lies at the core of, you know, really unlocking how someone could actually see their way through or at least see how things are connected. Absolutely. I mean, when you're dealing with knee and joint pain. Yes. And you're being told that, you know, your weight is contributing to this. Yes. Okay, well, as a patient, I'm sure they probably get that. <laughs> right. Okay, but what they may not get, as you're describing in this vicious cycle, is that with that knee pain, that's going to make you less mobile. Yep. And when you become less mobile, you're going to gain more weight. Yep. And then when you gain more weight, that's going to put more increased pressure on the joint, right? And then that's going to lead to more knee pain. And so there's, there's your cycle. But if we as healthcare providers don't add that extra piece that, guess what? At the core of that cycle is one solution, which is movement. And movement doesn't have to equal that dreaded word exercise. (laughs) You know, exercise. You know, well, doc, I can't exercise. No, but you can move. But you can move. You can move in some capacity. If it's just sitting on your sofa and if you're watching TV, every time a commercial comes on, you stand up and just sort of march in place a little bit. 
you know, or as you're sitting there, you know, you, 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 you flex and extend your leg, stretch it out, bend it back, stretch it out, bend it back. You can get a couple of soup cans That's right. from the kitchen and do some arm curls. I mean, you don't have to go to a gym, you know. Sometimes it's not safe to even walk in the neighborhood exactly. that you live in. So, again, this is knowing your patients, knowing that the zip code may affect some of the resources that they have to even want to be able or be able to do some of these things. You know, some neighborhoods, it's not safe to walk the neighborhood. Exactly, exactly. I had a patient once and, you know, we were talking about her knee pain. She was genuinely interested in moving more. And I happened to ask her because my mom is a swimmer. Uh, I asked her if if she liked the water and if there were any community pools or centers around that had a pool. And in fact, there was one in her uh, zip code. And uh, I told her to explore, looking at some of the water aerobics classes. Her face lit up. She lit up. And by the time she came back to see me for a follow-up visit, she couldn't wait to show me her fabulous new bathing suit that she saved up for so she could then take advantage of the senior water aerobics class that was close by. And she was just so empowered by that. She was so empowered that now she was taking her health back into her own hands with the hand she was dealt. Right, absolutely. And sometimes it's, it's, it's just those little, you know, milestones. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's it's one step, literally, you know, right. the longest journey begins with what? That's the right. The first step. That's right. You know, so sometimes it's those little changes, mm-hmm. those little steps that can make a tremendous difference. Tremendous difference. Well, Dr. Harwell, we just want to thank you for your time today. Uh, We look forward to hearing more from you in our next podcast. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Health Disparities Podcast from Movement is Life. Um, We appreciate your concern, your input, your insight, and your feedback regarding health disparities um, as we are we will continue to have conversations with our experts who are working to eliminate these very disparities. Thank you so much, Dr. Harwell. Thank you.